You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning and welcome back to the All About Real Estate Edition. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Carol Morgan. Before we begin, we do want to thank New American Funding for being our 2021 show sponsor, now our 10th year on the air. It has been wonderful having them as our partner this year. All right, Carol, well, this is going to be a neat conversation, an organization doing some really important work and a neat guy. It's going to be a great chat. And an organization that's new to our show. So we're excited to have in studio today with us, Jeff Smythe. He is the CEO of Hope Atlanta. And Jeff, let's just kick it off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I became the CEO of Hope Atlanta about three years ago, and it's been an exciting time, as you can imagine, a a difficult time. We focus on people experiencing homelessness, people experiencing hunger, and that has been quite a journey, uh, particularly in the last uh, year and a half. Yeah, go deeper on your mission and purpose. There's in these challenging economic times, and then with COVID, and then just the normal run of the mill of just there's a segment of our population that just uh, the needs, the kind of things that you do. I mean, just kind of go a little bit deeper on how you deliver on this really important mission. Our mission is pretty simple. It's to help Georgians avoid homelessness and hunger through a comprehensive approach that equips them with the tools for lifelong stability. And our vision is very simple as well, to end homelessness, to end hunger for every Georgian. I know that sounds really easy. It sounds like something we'll snap our fingers, we'll do tomorrow. But we do see it as a journey. We do see it as our purpose to end homelessness, to end hunger, and to do everything we can to make sure that we prevent those who are on the edge from falling into homelessness, from falling into a place where they are food insecure. So we do that through a variety of ways, a lot of different housing interventions, outreach. We do a lot of street outreach. I can tell you a little bit more about that. And as well as um, hunger relief, we do provide meals not only to what we call smart lunch, smart kids, so kids who are receiving school lunches or school breakfasts. We do a lot of summer food programs, a lot of weekend food programs, but then also hungry families, food boxes, uh, community kitchens, et cetera. So a lot of ways that that we really tackle um, homelessness and hunger. Got lots going on there, lots of good stuff. And it's never simple, is it? Always so much more to it. Well, tell us what a normal day looks like for you. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit more about our, our street outreach team because they really, I mean, when you talk about a normal day, they, the street outreach starts, for many of our folks, they're starting in the middle of the night, right? So they are um, on MARTA trains, they are at the airport, they are um, at times the early morning um, on the street. And our street outreach teams are really trying to engage with those who are actively homeless right now, who are seeking shelter in the MARTA trains, in the airport, or uh, under bridges, you name it, to engage. And these are trained case managers on the street to work on housing plans right there from the street. Our job is to engage and to invite those who are experiencing homelessness to work on a plan, a housing plan. We know that for some that can be a little bit quicker than others, but that's our job is to help them, accompany them, support them as they emerge from homelessness and, uh, into housing. Then we've got housing teams, um, case management teams that focus on different areas uh, geographically, right? We're in 31 counties, but also by subject area. We've got 
um, case management teams that focus on veterans. Last year, we served, since COVID started, we've rehoused more than a thousand veterans who are experiencing homelessness. We have a team that focuses on people living with HIV. We have a team that's much more broad and focuses on any families with children, any individuals who may qualify for our programs. And then we have um, hunger teams as well, hunger relief teams, and they are active in the community, working with different churches for distributing food, as well as working with um, just when individuals may come to us uh, at one of our community kitchens or or pantries to make sure that they get the food they need. So lots of operations every every day, Um, but you can imagine really amazing, relentless teams whose sole focus is to support those who are experiencing hunger, experiencing homelessness, uh, back into self-sustainability. Can you do me a favor? Can we step back for a second? And can you shed a little more light on like defining what, what these problems actually are, hunger and homelessness? And I don't mean to make, a, I don't mean to make light of it, but there's a point to the, the brusque way I'm going to say this. Uh, you'd be surprised who's homeless out there. It's not just some guy pushing a shopping cart and quoting scripture. I mean, there are people that have jobs that are homeless. Can you, so can you Yeah, shed, lots of them. Can you shed more light on, on that? And then with regards to hunger, sorry, you stumbled into an issue and my wife and I have a foundation and hunger is a big thing that we focus on. I mean, uh, in the pandemic, and you may be able to quote maybe more current numbers, but roughly 42, 43 million people are food insecure as a result of the pandemic of that 13 million are children. And I don't think people realize exactly the the pervasiveness of the hunger issue and the depth of it. And it's more than just being, oh, I missed a few meals. We're talking about if a child doesn't get the right nutrition, they're going to be a burden on society for the balance of their lives if they don't get help now. And so there's just so much, this is an impossible question for you to answer with the way I'm setting it up. But I just want people to understand this is more than dishing out some soup and and helping that crazy guy in the corner find a house. I mean, there, there's a lot more humanness to this than I think people even realize. When we, oftentimes when we think about homelessness or hunger, we do think about, you know, the person um, approaching us who visibly has mental health challenges. But really when we look at, at the numbers, roughly 75% in most communities, more than that, of those experiencing homelessness are not chronically homeless. They're not what we think about of, you know, individuals kind of, having really, you know, kind of multiple years on the street. It really, but for the grace of God, it could be any of us, right? It it is a something in life, a loss of job, marriage breakup, a pandemic, right? (laughs) Something that happens where we we just don't have enough kind of cushion. We don't have enough um, safety net and it it spirals us into homelessness. We have a wonderful group of former clients who advised me. I, I had a meeting with them this week and one of them, she was reminding me that that she, absolutely, as you said, Carol, she was working the whole time that she and her family were experiencing homelessness. They would go into a hotel for three nights as much as they could afford and then live out of their car the other nights and so on and so forth until we were able to help her get into housing. So it really it, it really is a challenge for so many who are just so fragilely housed or are, are fragilely able to feed their families. And oftentimes we, we, we think about it as kind of the extreme, but it really is not the extreme. It's, it's the majority of those experiencing homelessness who are fragilely or episodically homeless, right? There is, it, and that's our job, yeah. but it's as a short term and as, as we can get them into permanent housing as quickly as possible. And you're right, when it comes to food insecurity, really, I mean, 
one in six children in Georgia. But if you actually look at low-income children, if you look at kind of apartment dwellers or low-income housing, really one in four. So, um, you know, and that those numbers have gone up during the pandemic that don't have enough to eat, that don't know where their next meal is coming from. And that affects so many things. That affects uh, mental health, that affects schooling, that affects healthcare. Mm -hmm. So many of the challenges that we as a a community, as a nation face really stem from just having enough, enough to eat, enough on the table and, and knowing where your next meal is coming from. So you're absolutely right. These are some big challenges. We're seeing some really great evidence-based results, right? So we really try to employ interventions that work, that have proven to work over time and in multiple communities and multiple settings so that we don't return a family after they've been served, after they're We don't return them back to homelessness or back to hunger. Right. There can be some permanency. So many things you've touched on. I think, I think we could go have a round robin about this forever. But, you know, one of the things I've seen some of the school systems do that I really appreciate is institute free breakfast and free lunch for all kids in the school, regardless of socioeconomic background. And what I like about that is it doesn't single anyone out, that they're, right. you know, getting free lunch because they can't afford it or whatever. They're putting everybody on that, you know, same plane of, you know, normalcy, whatever normal is. I think it, I use the normal setting on my dishwasher because it's the only normal thing in my entire <laughs> life. But um, so I I appreciate those school systems that see the value in that and in doing it. And, you know, it's like you said, it's one episode or one event in life that could be the difference between having a home and being on the street. So I guess kind of get down to the nitty gritty. How does Hope Atlanta help Georgians avoid homelessness? Or I guess it's two part. What do you do to help them secure housing, you know, when they are homeless? Yeah. So the HOPE for us stands for specific interventions, right? H stands for hunger relief and housing, right? So our housing team uh, really looks at, can we do rapid rehousing, right? That gets a family off the street as quickly as possible, back into self-sustainability, kind of stair steps, starts with a, a larger amount of support and stair steps that actually down over time as they're able to get back on their feet. Permanent supportive housing for those that are more chronic, for those that that smaller percentage that we talked about who really are going to have a tough time ever getting back into kind of regular employment, regular society. We support permanent supportive housing, and that's such a great alternative, much more cost-effective than someone living on the street and in terms of cost of health care and criminal justice. The H also for hunger relief, of course, providing since the pandemic, we've provided more than 2 million meals across North Georgia. So those meals are so important. The O is for outreach. We've talked a little bit about outreach and meeting people where they're at making sure that we're taking the case management to you rather than you having to come to us. Um, The P stands for prevention. So we do do quite a bit of prevention. There's a lot of families, as we know right now, who are um, facing evictions as soon as the moratorium is lifted. So our job is to work with our governmental partners to make sure that they're getting preventive dollars so they don't fall into homelessness. And then the E is emergency services, right? So those, we've done a tremendous amount of hotel work during COVID. You may have heard about that with the city of Atlanta, with um, Veterans Affairs. Lots of different hotel um, or, uh, plus case management options. And, and all of those are focused on like, how do we get you permanently housed, even in an emergency, right? How do we get you permanently back on your feet? So those are the interventions that we employ just to make sure that um, individuals are as quickly um, and easily moved out of that point of fragility, out of that point of homelessness into stability. I'm pleased that for this particular conversation, we can offer you a unique platform to advocate a message that I'm going to tee you up with in a minute. Um, We've been doing this show now over 10 years, and we've got a pretty good database of supporters, audience, 
participants in a network of people who are leaders in our community, who are builders, who are community builders. So with that built-in audience and platform for you, Jeff, what, what are your comments? What more can we be doing as a community to address the, the affordable housing, the lack of affordable housing, which is a big issue. Now, I can also tell you on this show, we're having a lot of conversations, a lot of cool conversations with people that are tackling that issue, but we need a lot of work there. So take advantage of the platform and kind of advocate the kind of the needs in that space. Yeah, I mean, it really it really is connected. We've always kind of looked at our mission as, as we're here more as a safety net for those that fall into homelessness or right on that edge. But when you really look at what we're doing, we're kind of treating symptoms rather than the core issues often. So we, as an organization, are also saying, hey, can we advocate for changes in policy, right? Can our, can our policymakers help us think about more affordable housing, right? For recent, a recent study I saw from the National Low Income Housing Coalition, it was a Georgia study that were, two, were at least 200,000 units short in Georgia for low-income individuals, right? So nationally, the, the number I saw was like for every 10 families that need affordable, low-income housing, there's only four units available. So we really have a, a supply challenge, right? And then there's also some zoning challenges, right? And how can we look at, are there some zoning updates that, that we can see across the country where it's been able to, we, we've been able to increase the opportunity for many, many who are lower income or, or even moderate income in ways that are not, that don't have a dramatic impact on, on our neighborhoods or, or, or our safety or our just security. So yeah, I think there's some big policy changes that we can make. And while we are here to be a safety net, we are also encouraging those listening and, and those involved to really think about how do we get more affordable housing? How do we, we hey, we, we love more building and more housing and more luxury units. That's important as a, for our economy and for our state. But the reality is if we're not replacing it for every building that has low-income housing is turned down, if we're not replacing it with the same, if not more units, it means that folks are really stretched when it comes to housing costs, right? So I think 72% of our, of our lower-income Georgians are what they call housing cost burdened, right? So they are way more than the majority of their, of their income is going to cover their housing. So that doesn't leave them any safety net. There's no savings happening. There's no rainy day fund. There's no ability, if there is a job loss, to be able to kind of withstand that. So yeah, we've got some work to do on the, on the policy side. Yeah, lots of work to do on the policy. It's actually interesting. I was pulling up some notes and stuff I have related to housing. And one of the interesting facts on housing and what's you know frustrating for the industry is that it's become so expensive to build. The combination of the Thanks. lot price and to bring the yeah. lot out of the ground and you know just what you're paying for that dirt and all the government regulations involved with that dirt have increased home prices incredibly. Then add everybody wants a house right now to it and the cost of lumber and all of that. And Atlanta has a huge shortage of homes in the 200,000s to 300,000, which is probably exactly where we need to be for this group. And the inventory is extremely low and it's almost impossible for a builder to bring a house out of the ground for 200,000 in many, many, many areas in Atlanta, a lot of them places that people want to be. So it's really key that government officials hear this and start thinking about zoning differently 
you've just got to, you've got to look at different types of zoning and mixing zoning types and putting, you know, an apartment building that maybe it looks like, you know, a big, huge house. So it looks like a, you know, Georgian mansion, but it's sitting in the middle of, you know, I don't know, we'll just say uh, Virginia Highlands, you know, next to single family homes. And that's how you start to solve this is you put the housing type that people can afford in the areas where the jobs are. Hello, that's key, right? And you do see some cities doing it, starting to do it well. And, you know, Atlanta's getting there, but there's definitely some challenges. Um, I guess one question I have is, I think you mentioned North Georgia. What area do you serve? Do you serve a specific area of the state? Talk a little bit about that. Our vision statement talks about all of Georgia, but really at this point, we're, we're focused on North Georgia. So we are in 31 counties. The vast majority of our focus is on the metro, you know, the kind of the core, you know, kind of 13 counties, metro Atlanta, because that's certainly where there's there's tremendous need. Right. But but we do go into rural North Georgia, even up to the Tennessee line, and particularly for their veterans programs. So we are poised to be able to help veterans in a lot of different um, in suburban and rural settings to make sure that they're getting housing in their local area, right? We're not trying to just transplant them into another another county. Our job is to help them find housing right there in their own county. And as you can imagine, some counties are, are harder than others to find something affordable, something available. Um, but that's that's what we do. We work hand in hand with them so that we can so that so that some of their they have access to services, they have access to their own networks, to their family, et cetera. So yeah, we you know our hunger relief program is very strong all the way up into Rome, and a, a lot of families in the Rome and Dalton area that benefit from our hunger relief efforts. So it's not uh, not just Metro Atlanta, but certainly that's where a great a great deal of focus is. Think you need twenty percent down to become a homeowner? Think again. What if you could buy a home without a down payment? That's right. New American Funding understands that saving for a down payment can be difficult. They have competitive loan programs that can get you into a new home. Their 100% FHA financing loan program makes getting into a new home with no down payment possible. Let one of their home loan professionals pre-qualify you. Contact a new American Funding Loan Officer today to find out more about these niche loan programs and start your home ownership journey. For more information, call 678-898-3540. That's 678-898-3540. Yeah, gosh, uh... This short duration of a podcast is is criminal, and that there's so many, so much more. I mean, I just want people to understand that when it comes to hunger, uh, when you have a, a hungry child, uh, if they don't get the right kind of food and nutrition, then they're going to have stunting, which means they're going to be a health, they're going to be a health burden to their community for the rest of their life. Absolutely. Uh, if if and how can we expect the child to to learn? To be effective and engage in their school when they when they're hungry? I mean, so that there's. There's a lot more to these issues and th- th- that I think people realize, and, and I'm taking advantage of the opportunity to kind of shout from the ramparts here and get people thinking about it, you know, and because a significant majority of people that are facing homelessness or are hungry are people that are desperate to get out of that situation. They're not, there's a stigma, there's, there's this perception that there's this person that's just always on the government dole. That's, that's not who we're talking about here. And that's a very small percentage of the people that you're serving. I mean, most people here are deal are, are, are people like us who had an unfortunate life occurrence. I mean, so you, you, know, you have to recognize that. And, and so you Absolutely. can feel good 
about doing something about this because you're helping someone that really wants to lift themselves up. And you have to be conscious of that. Um, yeah, it's like a hand, a hand up instead of a hand out. Exactly. You know, so well, you know, but you've gotta you've gotta want it. The systems that we work with as as strong as they are now, there's still delays, there's challenges. You know, many of those that we serve, they've lost their identification, they've lost their driver's license, they've lost, mm-hmm. lost some way to identity. So you gotta get that in place. So these obstacles we're trying to overcome, but you gotta want it. You you know, those that we work with do want it and have that drive. We've not been successful with those that don't have that drive. All of those that we are able to rehouse and and support on the food side have 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 wanted it. And honestly, you have to work for it. It's not. It's unfortunately not as streamlined as we'd like it to be yet. But we're working collectively as a community to to, to get it to get it faster. Well, grateful for everything that you and your organization are doing. For those listening who say, "Okay, I'm getting the, the bigger picture here," and I. I'm respecting the fact that I have a role I can play here and I have a better understanding of the issues at hand here. So I want to help. So walk us through now, how can people get involved and support your mission? Is is there financial contributions? Can they bring a box of of food to you? Walk us through the different ways and, and where people can go to support and engage in your mission. Absolutely. Easiest place to start is our, is our website, hopeatlanta.org. And there we've got a lot of different volunteer opportunities, donation opportunities. And those, those would be the two ways that I would focus on primarily would be volunteering, you know, with numerous opportunities to pack meals for children or families. And you can be a young person and do some meal packing even from home. You don't have to be in our warehouse. You can participate virtually. We always need kits for our street outreach teams to use, um, toiletry kits and, and snack bags. Donations of canned meats, um, single-serve snacks, even notes of encouragement to those that we're serving. Uh, sometimes that note from a volunteer makes a huge difference. You know, donations are huge for us in terms of like even small donations um, go a long way for us. We've kept our, our organization administrative costs less than 10% on average. And we really try to put every dollar back into the community, back into families that need it. So go into hopeatlanta.org, making a donation making a monthly gift, making a one-time gift. Hey, we've got a big event coming up about a month from now. It's October 7th. It's um, it's called Heroes for Hope. You can participate in person. You can participate virtually. That raises a, a lot of money for people that we serve. And it's, it helps us because we do have a lot of different government grants that we rely on to do this work, but it makes it so we can go that extra mile. We can make sure that we surround that family with care when we do, when we get those private donations and private dollars um, that are so valuable to us, churches, uh, synagogues, you name it, there's lots of different ways to get involved as a group, as an individual, as a family, older adults, young adults, we'll take it. <laughs> well, and if you're listening, you say, well, I can only afford $25 donation. That's not going to buy a lot of food. Wrong. You guys have relationships and networks and bulk buying capabilities, and you've developed a system by where you can really maximize every nickel. So your your $25 contribution will go a lot further than you than you realize and that's that should be exciting and and so don't shy away from those those small donations because they they oh, do yeah. they are impactful. So I mean think about that's really I mean translates to about 25 days worth of food. I mean that that's how we can stretch it. We we get, we can stretch it because yeah. of, like you said we get some income, we got wonderful partners like Publix, the Atlanta Community Food Bank, if we can leverage it to make sure that that donation goes further and provides more food than you you would actually imagine. Well, so even $25 donations changing lives. So uh, don't forget that. All right. 
I'll get off my soapbox now. Jeff Smythe, the CEO of Hope Atlanta. Jeff, a real pleasure to have you. Thanks for carving out some time for us and uh, Godspeed on, on your important work. Hey, Todd and Carol, thank you so much. We really appreciate it and appreciate what you're doing. Take care. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, that wraps this week's All About Real Estate Edition. On behalf of our show sponsor, New American Funding, my co-host, Carol Morgan, I am Todd Schnick. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you for tuning in and listening. And we'll look forward to seeing you again right here tomorrow. We'll see you then. Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is sponsored by New American Funding and made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite source for real estate and home building news. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio.